Hello, and welcome to the Pretty Little Liars podcast, Bros Watch PLL2. With me is Marco Sparks. Hello. I am Benjamin Light. Hello. And today we're talking about S02E01, season Ooh. premiere, season two, Pretty Little Liars. It's Alive is the title of the episode. <sighs> a, lot of, a lot of stuff happened in this episode. Yeah, this is a fun episode. Packed with mystery and suspense and drama and aria. Great title. It's Alive. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. we'll get into who that's a reference to. Um, so this episode's a, a little bit weird in its structure that all the girls are together for like several of the first scenes. Mm-hmm. So I guess we'll just have to go with it chronologically until then. Then we can break out into the four different girls like we normally do. Yeah, that's basically how my notes, mm-hmm. my notes covered. Um, yeah, so we, we pick up pretty much right where the season finale last year left off with the girls outside the church getting their stories straight. We do. Before we discuss that, I did just mm-hmm. kind of want to give a more meta note. Uh, mm. This is season two. Um, the writers are really starting to plant the seeds for anyone who pays attention uh, as to who A is. And as viewers of these episodes, we notice them in the hopes of not spoiling anyone. We're going to be ignoring a few things here and there. Like, mm-hmm. there's definitely these little clues here and there that if we point them out, I, I worry that it would be too obvious as to who A is. So, you know, watch and uh, interpret things on your own. I'm sure you can figure it out too. But if you're wondering why we didn't talk about something that you noticed in the episode, maybe that's why. And to that extent, you almost maybe need to take some of the things we say as a red herring of their own, much like the show itself, just because we'll probably be weighing certain things differently. I guess you could say that we are also liars, but not pretty or little. Well, not little. Oh. Um, (laughs) But yeah, I mean, it's obviously like from season one, you know, not to brag, but you and I, and not, I think most people could guess. I think we both, we both nailed, I nailed it in like the first episode, but yeah. Yeah. And, and, but that's, but we're both mystery people, so we know what to look for. Yeah. I think there's a good chance that after we finish season two, we might just do an episode just talking about the mystery and the way they had hit it and all that stuff. But, uh, mind you, it's not the only mystery here. There's still lots of other mysteries happening. And even, even rewatching this episode and kind of having seen further into the show, it started making me think like, Oh, I wonder if this is what's happening. Cause there's, there's, there's plenty of mysteries on the show, even after the end of this season, the next season and so on. It's, it's still an ongoing show. So we don't know yeah. everything either. And yeah, I mean, it, that makes logical sense. To anyone who's being honest with themselves, because as we're recording this, talking about season two premiere, the show is halfway through its fourth season. So you got to figure just who A is and the death of Alison De Laurentiis, uh, there's a lot more that's need to be fleshed out over the course of, you know, four years. Like, mm-hmm. like just those two mysteries alone will not sustain you. Uh, plus, you gotta hear more about Arya and Ezra. You just gotta. It's the, uh, it's the OTP of the entire world. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So let's begin with the mm-hmm. opening. And let me switch to episode one instead of episode two. Give me just a moment. There we go. <laughs> it's alive. We're, we're doing something special in our recording here. We're going to record two episodes back to back. 
Double PLL. <sighs> Hold on. <laughs> so it's still the night that Ian, you know, quote unquote, died, even though his body disappeared. Mm-hmm. Spencer is still sure that he's dead. Mm-hmm. Spencer is. There's one thing Spencer's good at. It's being sure of things. She, yeah, she she'd be a, a great poker player, except for when she had to bluff, you know. Yeah, yeah. Um, I wrote my notes. The start of the sentence is just finally exclamation point. They realize that A could be anyone, and could be very well be watching them at this very moment. There's a brief shot where they're looking around, and uh, you know, like who who's watching them. I. To me, I didn't see any actual like named character in any of the crowd shots they showed. No, and but still, like <laughs> I know they did it here and there in season one, but it's like, ladies, there's so many opportunities, but you've just done something. Mm-hmm. Ace texted you, and I would be like interrogating everyone in the immediate vicinity. Well, I feel as though they've gotten used to a state of being where A is this kind of omniscient frenemy that they don't even bother looking anymore. They're just like fucking A, you know. He's just here to fist us again. Mm-hmm. Um, and also, Officer Garrett Reynolds is still around. Yeah, I, I did want to point out Emily has a funny line where they're like, well, where is he? And then somebody must have moved the body, you know, and Emily says he's probably on the, his way to a meat grinder. And Arya's just like, ew, Emily. Yeah. It's rather unfeminine. <laughs> <laughs> Officer uh, so- Garrett Reynolds is... He tells them, I'm going to drive you to the station. They're like, but our parents are here. He's like, get in the car. He's like weirdly kind of like taciturn in this mm-hmm. scene. Yeah, very taciturn. Um, he drives them to an alleyway where he stops and gets out of the car. And this is the moment, usually the moment in the movie where you think like, am I about to be killed? But he wants to get all of their stories straight before they go to the station. Well, the, the liars are in a group. So even though they're like, what the fuck is with you ordering us around? I feel like they do feel somewhat safe. Like they don't he can, feel. He can take them to an, into an alley, but there's still four of them. I did think it's funny that he was trailing another black and white, and then he just pulled off into the alleyway. Like, what is that car thinking right now? Mm-hmm. They're like, hey, what, what happened to that guy behind us? Took a shortcut. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um. So Garrett once gets a couple of things clear. Like for starters, the girls can't tell the police that he was helping them to blackmail Ian. Like that just that's a serious crime. He can't be involved with that. That would cause a lot of issues in any investigation of Ian and Allison and, and all that, you know. Yeah. Um, so Garrett, you know, he, he hates to ask the girls to lie, but he stresses that everything will be okay. We just need to stick to our story. But he doesn't actually hate asking them to lie. He needs them to lie because he's helping out Jenna, and Jenna does yeah. not want those tapes to get out, those videos. Speaking of which, as, as they get back in the car. They get in the car and drive away, and then suddenly it's just like, Boom, there's Jenna thing in the background, seemingly what is this like midnight? Yeah. Uh, you know, Jenna thing's just on a street corner somewhere, possibly well, heard like, everything. It's like she's just popped around the corner to like sinisterly watch them go. And I'm thinking to myself, from a aesthetic perspective, this works really well. It's like, ooh, the the villain of the piece is there watching our heroes be led away to their doom. Mm. But at the same time I'm thinking this young woman is handicapped and in a seeming like very seedy part of town at midnight. Like, well, presumably Garrett's her boyfriend or whatever, but this is bad. This is not good for well, her. Well, you could, you could say that somehow Garrett has said like, Hey, if you're here, I'm going to pull the, pull over and talk to the liars there and you can hear what they say. But like, how did she get there? 
Yeah, it's a couple blocks, so, but she's like a block or two away from where they are. And I guess she could call yeah, a cab. She, how did she get there? I mean, she is still blocked. It'd have to be a cab. Like, I don't think Toby's going to be like, oh, you need me to drive you to a street corner in the middle of the night? Oh, <laughs> this all is right. Legit. Totally legit. <laughs> yeah, whatever. God. This checks. It makes perfect sense. Yeah, it's, 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 you know, in the parlance of television, it, it looks really cool. Mm-hmm. But you're kind of scratching your chin, I think, as we go to the credits. Yeah. Oh, it should be pointed out as well. Emily states that she has a copy of the videos on her computer. So they they weren't so dumb as to, you know, have Spencer throw away the only copy of those videos. They do have one other single copy on Emily's laptop. Mm-hmm. Okay, so and then we get credits. Spencer's room. Yeah. Oh, by the way, there's, um. well, we'll talk about that in a bit. So th- they're in Spencer's room kind of rehashing whether or not they should go to the police. I find it interesting that Emily seems like the most willing to go to the cops. I think that's probably because she has the least to lose if they do. Yeah. Because, I mean, she's already out. And so what, you know, what can can A do to Emily right now? A really doesn't have much on Emily except the Jenna thing. Right. Um, But yeah, this is presumably the morning after a long night of police questioning. Mm -hmm. And... They mentioned that A A gives so that the bitch can take. And what's what is she gonna want now? Yeah. But uh Well and Spencer it, it should be pointed out, Spencer's kind of coming to the realization that she almost died the night before and she has yeah. A to thank for saving her life. Yeah. And they're just like, I don't get this A, it's like she helps us out sometimes. Well so coming out of that, Arya asked Spencer if she saw anything. Maybe possibly suspiciously. The way she asks. Oh, hey, Spencer, did you by any chance see anything last night? Arya is very Sp- suspicious in this episode. And Spencer just says that all she saw was a black hoodie, black bo- boots, and gloves. The uniform uh, of A. Hoodie, hoodie great line here that A sees everything, so obviously it can't be Jenna, lol. Because <laughs> that bitch is blind. Although it wouldn't be a great cover if you were not blind to pretend that you were blind, wouldn't it? Yeah, really. Um,. But yeah, our, Emily does want to come clean, but Arya's the one who talks her out of it because they have so much to lose. And she's basically just thinking about Fitz. Even yeah. though she's like semi-broken up with him right now because she's pissed at him for the, the Jackie business. Arya is going to put on quite the Cold War in these two episodes. But uh, So Hannah has a great line of, I feel like I have a hangover and I never went to the party, which it's season two. I don't think you're going to see any more mentions of uh, Hannah Marin, teenage alcoholic, anymore. Well, we'll see about that. Um, so there's a mutiny on the coffee-making front because nobody wants Spencer to make the coffee now because Spencer's coffee gives everyone the shakes. And this leads to my absolute favorite Spencer moment of almost all time. Really? Oh, go ahead. So, so the three girls get up to head downstairs and make the coffee for themselves, and Spencer just sits there like on her beanbag chair or whatever just like befuddled and like disgusted and she just like she just like shakes her head and then she like stares up at the heavens and it's just like amateurs indeed <laughs> they can't handle spencer's coffee no they can't handle it. they can't hang spencer's coffee so they go downstairs to find ambush yeah. <laughs> intervention all the parents are there mm-hmm. except for emily's dad he's you know elsewhere yeah Although is yeah okay he he has left again I get confused I'm back I just it it's not important but I'm editing the show right now that we record and I'm on episode ah. eleven 
And so it's it's hard for me to keep track sometimes where exactly people like Emily's dad are. <laughs> they're everywhere and nowhere, just like Abe. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. yeah, we get both Spencer parents. Uh, Nathan Drake decided to grace us with his presence. Mm-hmm. We got Ella and Byron. Ashley's there. Not uh, Hannah's dad. He's not around. No. Uh, Pam's there. And they're just having a little mini intervention. And I just, I, I think it's just great the way none of them really believe the girls. Yeah. They, I, I wrote down some of the, some of the things they say when they're kind of like well, directly or indirectly asked whether or not they, uh, they, you know, believe what the girls told them. And they, the parents say things like, and we heard you, or this is about moving forward. It's yeah. the way it looks that concerns us. Well, see, that's the most tragic part of it is the only person that actually physically says the words, I believe you, is Mrs. Fields. Mm-hmm. And she says, I believe you, Emily, but you have to understand how it looks. Mm-hmm. It's the way it looks that concerns us. But she actually does say the words, I believe you, Emily, which none of the other girls get the privilege of. Well, and Spencer asks her her mom, don't you believe me? And uh, her mom, Veronica, says... What I know is that one of my daughters is in the hospital, in Melissa, because she got in the car accident, and the other is in trouble. And Spencer's like, that was a very lawyerly answer there. Yeah, lawyered. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, so the parents all want the girls to see a grief counselor to help them deal with the death of Allison De Laurentiis. Basically, the way the kind of the adults in Rosewood at large seems to be viewing the girls right now is they're all some very troubled individuals who are making up stories to cope with their grief. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and none of them believe Spencer that she was almost attacked and killed by Ian. Well, and see, that's it was, it interesting to me is that the grief counselors helped them get over the death of Allison, not for the traumatic event they dealt with the night before. Because the, they all assume that it didn't happen. They think the liars are making it up. Yeah. So what I was going to say earlier, I actually have a whole separate section just for therapy because all the girls are together. I really don't know yeah. how to how to talk about it otherwise. Um, well, so next, well, I mean, so well, first of all, let's just say Toby shows up then, and Spencer's dad basically nicely tells him to scram mm-hmm. that it's not good right now for these two kids to be together, which is basically what Spencer and Toby have each been told for the past few episodes, and neither mm-hmm. is bothered to listen. This is not bad advice. This is not terrible advice. And like Spencer's dad's not like horrible about it. You know, Toby's not really care about her. He's just like, if that's true, give her some space, bro. Yeah, he could certainly be a a huge dick about it, and he's not. Um, But still, Spencer, she just she she's basically like she's going mad right now. She was almost killed the night before, and no one believes her except her friends. And and now they're kind of attacking this this friend group by like saying they all need to go to therapy. And so she just walks is, back upstairs and the other liars follow her. Yeah. Spencer's dad is basically a Toby like, hey, follow my lead and disappear for a few episodes. Mm-hmm. It's like, hey, Toby, you ever again been to Madagascar? You got some treasure to hunt down there. Uh, I'd watch that game or, you know, if Toby died in the first cut, like, cut scene. Mm-hmm. Um, so then we cut to like, literally, it's like Garrett and Jenna are on a stakeout at night. <laughs> yeah. Watching Allison's old house and just seeing Jenna, the silhouette. Jenna on a stakeout. Like, what's that like? Garrett just has to tell her everything. Exactly. Well, they're just they're looking at the silhouette of a male figure, like moving around in front of a window. Um, but we're told that Jason De Laurentiis has moved back into the family home. Yeah, into the old house that 
let's see, Maya and her parents lived there for like, what, two months or something? Seemingly, yeah. Um, but Garrett and Jenna are worried about, bum bum bum, the Jason thing. They don't, they're concerned that people might find out about the Jason thing now that Jason is back in town. Love it. That, uh, yes. Oh, that actually reminds me just a bit about who's living in that house. This, even though this is season two, it picks up directly after the last season ended, and then it's that's, like that's it, my, it's not like the year later; it's the next day. So it's still, I think we can assume probably like December right now. Yeah, well, I gotta say, you gotta love the show. You gotta give them credit for the fact that seemingly this was the plan because they they sure weren't speeding it along, mm-hmm. you know, in season one. Like they had to kind of assume that this is where they're gonna go. If they got picked up for a season two. And a lot of shows that do this kind of thing, I don't think have that plan. I don't really think that Dawson's Creek intended for season two to pick up, you know, the next semester. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I think they just kind of fell ass backwards into that with their cliffhanger at the end of season one. And I, what's the other show that did this? Was it 90210? Yeah, I think 90210 did a thing where they only were like juniors to three or a couple of years oh, or something like that. Who the fuck? No one can explain yeah. 90210. But. Yeah, like I, this was like the pal- the plan on PLL. Also, it's it's seemingly been say three, maybe four months of like a torture, mm-hmm. uh, but so much has happened. Well, I mean, Hannah, her amazing healing broken leg, the island healed her. Yeah, exactly. Uh, yeah. So th- from this point on, other than therapy, I have individual. Let's notes let's talk about the girls, and then we can circle the therapy because the girls kind of. They all have their own little shit that's going on that we can discuss. So, the girls go back to school, and this has got to be like a Friday. Who knows? Because there's a weekend in this episode, and it's very strange. I know, I know that like the last few episodes we talked about the general structure of how they work on a weekend or a Saturday, and it's like anyway. So, Arya's outfit: the top half of Arya is dressed like Zorro. Well, it's like um. It seems to be a sweater of some kind. It's like, it's a, like a, it's like a, it's like a puffy black blouse. But but the collar looks sweaterish. Like the collar is like a like a kind of thick knit, and it's very high. It's it's like a, a popped collar that arches up. And but then the rest of it is much more like sleek and tight. And it like there's a really big neckline in it. You know, it's like I don't know. It's I don't even know how to describe it. I, I'm not From a the woman, top so. up, if you gave her a mask and like a pencil thin mustache, Lucy Hale could be <laughs> just like carving her name into a wall. She looks like Zorro. The pop collars work for Arya. Yeah, the bottom half, she's wearing this like loud skirt. It's like she's dressed like a supermodel from the eighties. It's a um, I believe it's what's known as a pencil skirt. It's high waisted. It's uh, red and black stripes at like uh, a weird cross angle. It's like a stripe one way, then the other way. Um, when we kind get- of a weird outfit for a girl coming back to school after a traumatic event. I'll just g- I'll just go ahead and say that there's a a certain visual theme with Arya and red and black stripes that runs through the show. <laughs> so, pay attention to what she's wearing. Yeah all part of the clue um, so she's she's talking to ella and ella is feeling bad because if you remember from the last episode Arya made her feel bad by basically saying like i'm tired of you and dad's drama you either gotta like shit or get off the pot and so ella is like ella's like yeah i was really thinking about that and Arya's like actually i was being a huge bitch 
But then Ella's like, but no, no, you were right. You were helping. (laughs) (laughs) So uh, Ella's decided she's going to move back in with Byron. And of course, Arya's first response is, you're not just doing this for me, right? And it's like, you know that she is, but you like, you want her to lie and say otherwise, just so you can just revel in your power even more. Arya. Arya is, she's definitely turned up a notch from her usual antics in season one. Mm-hmm. Um, like I said, Arya's doing some amazing work uh, as a human being in these two episodes. But uh, so the girls go into their first period class, which is Ezra's class, and see that their fellow students have left them a hangman thing on the board. Good old hangman. I remember hangman. Where the letters are meant, they're not fully filled out yet, but they're meant to spell out liars. <laughs> Ezra walks in, starts erasing the blackbird, and then behind him, he hears like a, a "Hey, Mister Fitz." Well, hold on, hold on, real quick. At this point, Ezra's got to be pretty goddamn curious. What's up with his underage girlfriend? Because mm-hmm. I, I want to say the last time he really saw her, she like got a text and was like, "Oops, gotta go." You know, I mean, that's just the last thing I really mm-hmm. remember. But you know what I mean? It's like then she's had some pretty serious. Sh- I mean, first of all, she's on the front page of the fucking newspaper. Yeah, as we'll see in a bit. Yeah, uh, and yeah. Then so then they have an, an unexpected uh, arrival into the first period. All caps in my notes. Noel Khan is back. Yes, yes. He comes in. He suspension sits down is over. Right, right next to Arya, and he's just like, "Miss me," with the biggest shit eating grin on his face of all time. Yeah, yeah. I love in in the. I think it's a scene where Arya is talking to Spencer. She says, how does Noel Khan get suspended and come back more popular? <laughs> um, so, yeah, in, in the hallway after class, Spencer and Arya are talking about Noel. And Ezra kind of steps out of his class and he's just like, uh, Arya, a word? <laughs> <laughs> about your paper or something? Yeah, something, something, your essay in junk. Um, Spencer is like, you don't have to talk to him if you don't want to. Which Arya's I thought, just- like. It, it's pretty pl- like Ezra's standing right there. It's <laughs> <laughs> so, like I would think Ezra, that's a warning sign. Mm-hmm. So yeah, Arya comes inside. Her and Ezra talk. First of all, I know there's the whole Jackie Medina thing, Medina thing, mm-hmm. and uh, Arya. I, I understand why Arya is the way she is, but Ezra, I think, has he doesn't play this, but there's some pretty massive red flags. Then again, I mean, again, Arya's on the red front flags page on Ezra's part or Arya's part. Arya's part, both parts, really. Yeah. But I mean, like again, Arya's on the front page of the newspaper. I think he has a right to ask about that. Arya's just, just like I don't know. It just it feels different between us now. Yeah, and Ezra has to out. say, are, "Are we over?" And Arya says, "I don't know." She's really giving him the cold shoulder, shutting him out. It's like. Whenever she opens the door, it's basically just to like lob a grenade or two. And then when he tries to emote to her, she puts the wall back up. There's a, um, a really good analysis of this whole uh, relationship in the television without pity recaps mm-hmm. where the, the guy, Jacob Clifton's the name, the, the writer does the recaps. He compared it to Lolita and how I've, I've never read Lolita, but I guess the way that relationship ends is that, um, what's the girl's name? Lolita. Lolita. Dolores. Duh. Uh, she eventually just gets bored of Humbert Humbert. Like, that's mm-hmm. how that relationship ends. Because she's well, a teenage girl. She's also pregnant with and had several kids by the point he finds her again. Mm-hmm. He loses her. She goes off and becomes a, a real woman. 
Yeah. And then when he comes back, he finds that, you know, she's no longer the, the nymphette. But, uh, but what we I see just, with Arya here is, is she just getting bored with Ezra? It certainly would feel that way. But I just still love that there's some serious shit happening in their lives, in Arya's life. And somehow these two have the energy to talk about their fucking relationship. Well, I, I think that's why Arya is not feeling it right now is because she does have shit, serious shit going on. Yeah. And, and now this, like, suddenly, like, the relationship is, is bland to her. Yeah. Um, well, I mean, because Arya, you know, Arya's whole thing of Ezra about, like, you not telling me about Jackie Molina is, is, is lying to me. Like, has she ever said word one? I mean, about A. Other than the fact that he, he saw the one text mm-hmm. from A towards the beginning of season one. She never really explained it to him. No, I mean, like, I'm just saying, maybe Ezra would be a little upset about that. I do want to point out, uh, in the background, on Ezra's blackboard now, there's some notes about Hemingway up there. Mm. Which, to me, I read that as Ezra trying to reassert his masculinity. <laughs> and failing. Uh, so later on, Arya goes over to Ezra's place. And in my notes, I just have written down, For this scene, Fitz will be shirtless. Because <laughs> he's shirtless for the whole scene. He's wearing... Some of those kind of like uh, pajama, flanny, flannel pajama pants that dudes wear. No They're shirt. Jammies. Yeah. He never like he he invites her in. Never puts the shirt back on. Like, no. is this is this part of his move? Is he like, I better uh, better show off the pecs a little to you know show her what she's been missing. Ezra's not out of shape. I mean, he's got muscles, but they're kind of unimpressive. I thought. I would say that this is the type of body that I assume would appeal to a teenage girl. He's probably not super into muscles anyway. I guess so. I mean, it's, yeah, it's, it's pretty, I don't want to say bland, but I don't know. I'm not a teenage girl, but, uh, I wouldn't complain to have a, a body like that. And I'll just throw that out there. Then again, this is a man who's obviously pulling a young teenage girl. So he's doing pretty well for himself. He knows um, what he's doing. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. High five, bro. Um, so Ezra's trying to talk to her about the real life shit that's happened to her. And I love that he, he says to her at one point, and this is like a dick move on his part. I thought he says to her, I'm sorry, you have to go through this alone, which he's trying to set up that he's there for her, that she can turn to him. And she's just like, what is, well, she's just like, I'm not alone. And she's basically means like, I have my friends. I don't need you. Yeah. But in a way that's like, he's trying to engage her in their relationship at all and she's just yeah, like yeah she's, she's she's being cold she's being super cold uh he even says like i believe you and she doesn't she doesn't seem to care no no like he no. believes he believes her about you know the ian stuff and all that or he doesn't kill care she says that she feels like things have changed well so he sits down on his couch you know still shirtless you know at, as vulnerable as one can be and offers to answer any question she'll put to him and so her very first question is about Jackie Molina <laughs> and why did she end it? Yeah. Which I feel like Ezra's a little too honest in this scene. Cause yeah. he, he says, well, she wasn't, Jackie didn't, wasn't ready for the commitment. Um, and then she, Arya starts asking, like, well, were you still upset? Like, were you over her when you met me or were you still in love with her? And this is where Fitz, it's okay to lie. Yeah. You need to say, no, I, I was not still in love with my old girlfriend when I met you, and and yes, I love you. You don't say as soon as I met you, you know, like oh, he just he plays it all wrong, and Arya's just like, uh, whatever. Yeah, anytime your teenage girlfriend asks, "Am I your rebound?" 
Mm-hmm. Like you need to play this with some finesse, which Ezra doesn't have. You need um, to make very clear that she's not. Yeah, Ezra assures Arya that when he was with her, she was the one he was thinking of. Which mm, wrong answer? Can, well, you can tell that things have changed because five episodes ago that would have meant the world to Arya. Mm-hmm. Not so much now. Um, and this is where Ezra discovers the downside of dating a teenager. Yeah, yeah. Arya is so, just inexplicably lost interest, as teenagers will do. Yeah. Well, there's a great thing where he asks her to stay. The next shot is Arya stepping out into the hallway. Yeah, she doesn't. You don't see her say no. You just see her leaving. And he asks if he can call her tomorrow because presumably this is a Saturday because they're talking about how much he's talking to her at one point about how much she loved their Saturdays together. So yeah, presumably yeah. this is a Saturday, and he asks if he can call her tomorrow, and she just kind of almost like snorts and is just like, "I'm spending tomorrow with my family." Mm-hmm. Um, so. She's walking down the hallway. She's not like five feet from Ezra's door when she gets a text from A showing Ezra's desk. And it says, look familiar? What's missing? Question mark. Yeah. And Arya walks back and checks and sees that someone has stolen the key from under his doormat. Which, how surprised can you be? Mm-hmm. It's a doormat in a hallway, an enclosed hallway in your apartment building. It's pretty fucking obvious that that. I mean, why yeah. doesn't he put like a fake rock right next to it, <laughs> a slot that moves? So the the last note I have on Arya, because most of the rest of her stuff is with the group, is just when she is talking to the other girls about how like you know A is obviously can get inside Ezra's apartment. She she describes or she refers to A as he, she, shim. I thought it was interesting that she is shim because we've heard yeah. one other person on the show being referred to as a shim. Yeah, yeah. Um, let's talk about Hannah. So at first they're back to school. Hannah's looking a little hot. I want to point out, just we didn't talk about this during the scene where they were being told they need to go to therapy. Hannah's the one who really calls bullshit on the force therapy. Like she almost says this is bullshit and they like they cut her off before she can. Literally, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um But back so in I- school, some some gossipers are gossiping about Hannah and Spencer. I thought it was interesting one of the gossipers said I heard that Spencer was like dating Ian or something like that, like having an affair. Yeah, there's that. That's out there that like Spencer and Ian might have been a thing. Or one one of the frumpy girls says, "I bet they were. I bet they made the whole thing up to get some attention." Mm-hmm. Mona shows up and runs those gossipers right off. Hot. Yeah. Oh yeah. Mona's looking good. Runs those gossipers off and then talks some shit about them as they leave. She's I don't know what's more pathetic: people who gossip or people who listen to gossip. And then she's talking about one of the chicks' bony ass and her skinny jeans and says, I heard she lost all that weight drinking breast milk. And Hannah's like, what? And Mona's like, boob milk. You can buy it online. Up until that point, it's like Mona came to school with a gun loaded with bullets made out of sick burns. I mean, mm-hmm. she's just firing them off. Yeah. Um. So Mona and Hannah do a little reminiscing. Um, Hannah great- kind of offhandedly mentions, maybe I do need therapy. And Mona's like, what? And she's like, oh, you know, retail therapy. Yeah. What is it? Hannah has a great line before that. We're just non sequitur. She just says, I'm tired of thinking. <laughs> Later on, uh, uh, I want to point out that Hannah ends up being late to the therapy session because she was hoping to basically just like show up at the end and leave, but that did not work out. Um, Later, after one of the therapy sessions that I, I think we'll just talk about in a group, Hannah comes home, and there's uh, Ashley waiting with Caleb. And a glass of wine. 
Caleb's back. Lucas brought Caleb back to town. Oh yeah, there was one one quick scene where Lucas drops Caleb off, and he really lamely has tells Caleb like, "Hey, whatever you did to piss her off, don't do it again." And Caleb's like, "Right, whatever, you little hobbit. Sure." I mean, like if they really wanted to play the bad boy angle of Caleb, like if they made like Caleb smoke, mm-hmm. this would be the point where I would have had Caleb like flick his lit cigarette into Lucas's face. No, I like, think he would just ash in the car. Thanks for the ride. <laughs> he would just ash in the car. That that'd be how he'd play it. Yeah, yeah. So Caleb's back. Ashley was just uh, seemingly having a chat with Caleb till Hannah showed up. Has a huge glass of wine in front of her. I mean, just a gigantic glass of wine. <laughs> it's probably half a bottle in there. <laughs> and then she's just like, oh, "I'll just leave you two alone." Then she stumbles towards the stairs. Yeah. I just want to point out, it's been like, what, like three days, maybe a week at most since Caleb left? I mean, maybe three days. I mean, he, he left in the episode before the last season finale. But I mean, so. it was like essentially like the next day that Ian theoretically dies at the church. Yeah. But it's, it's, it's like this very momentous thing. Like, oh, Caleb's back because he's gone for like two days. Yeah. Um, so Caleb wants to explain to her what was in the letter he gave to Mona. And Hannah... Well, before that, there's some cute little Hannah saying, like, oh, don't look... You're not allowed to look at me like that. And Caleb's just like, like, what? And then he, like, you know, does his best uh, bad boy look. And she's just like, like that. Or he's, that. He's, he's firing the stare at her. And it's working. I think he, but, he... As soon as Hannah tells him that, he's already won. Every, all all the rest of whatever they're going to argue about is just delaying the inevitable. Yeah. It's just the dance. Yeah. Uh, Hannah believes that Caleb is indeed sorry, but she can't forgive him, so he leaves and she does some crying. Well, she doesn't doubt his sincerity, but I think she feels that, number one, she can't trust him. Number two, even if she could, there's still like this way that he made her feel really awful in the past, and that's mm-hmm. not something you just easily ignore. Well, plus... Is it potentially possible that Hannah can't put down her wall until Arya puts down her wall? Perhaps. Caleb um, gives her the speech about how before I met you, I could never be close to anyone, blah, 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 you know. Yeah. OTP. So Hannah then goes to the grill to confront Mona about the letter. Uh, Mona says that she did it to protect Hannah, blah, 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 blah. And then Noel Khan shows up and kisses <laughs> Mona. Oh, shit. <laughs> Well, Hannah says, Caleb really did hurt me, but this hurts more. And then Noel Khan shows up and gives, yeah. gives Mona a kiss because they're apparently on a date. And Hannah just, just, she's out. She bolts. Yeah, yeah. I mean, Mo- she almost, Mona's like, moving up in the up world. The table before she leaves. Yeah. Mona's moving up in the world. She's dating Noel Khan now. Yeah. But she's still, like, even after Hannah leaves, Noel's just like, everything okay? And, and Mona does look, like, pretty sad, you know, because yeah. she is best friends with Hannah. Yeah. Or or was. <laughs> well up, up until this point. Well Mona seemingly has always been Hannah's friend. Hannah's been blowing her off mm-hmm. for months. Poor for Mona. Months. Yeah. Poor I just Mona. want to give her a hug. This we're gonna tell you right now that this podcast is an unabashed like pro Mona podcast. We love Mona. We're all on Team Mona, yeah. Yeah. I Later on can't Mona. Um yeah. <laughs> Later on, when they're they're looking at the photo that Arya got of Fitz's place, mm. and Hannah, like, she gets a funny look on her face, and she's like, "Is that a Playboy? That thing next to the the you know the black thing?" And Spencer says, "That black thing is a typewriter." 
And Arya says, no, it's a playbill, not a playboy. Because, <laughs> of course, Ezra would have a fucking playbill lying around. Next to his fucking typewriter. What mm-hmm. a old-timey typewriter. Yeah. Um, so you want to talk about Emily? Sure. I just want to point out one of the reasons that Hannah gives for uh, approving of therapy Anne, who we'll meet in a bit, is that she has good shoes. Mm-hmm. You so. can tell a lot about a person by their footwear. Mm-hmm. Not much with Anna, uh, Emily here. I just think it's interesting that she's the one who's most willing to go to the cops, obviously because she has very little to lose in that respect. Um. There's a weird scene where she's rewatching the video of Jenna and Toby. Yeah. And just getting creeped out again. And then she looks up and there's just some random bro in her house who turns out to be a realtor. Like, who's just like walking through her room being like, Oh yeah, I like your pictures, but we should take them down. We'll have to paint over this wall where you've recorded Emily's height since she was, you know, three years older. (laughs) Growth chart thing. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's Uh, very just kind of. It's invasive and also it's kind of like just trampling all, all over yeah. her own her own life and history, you know. Pam's yeah, so eager to, yeah. Pam's so eager to move just when Emily's starting to feel like she, you know, belongs. Mm-hmm. Um later Toby comes over because Emily's room is gonna be the safe spot where he can finally see Spencer. Spencer doesn't make it for reasons we'll get into, but um Emily's like, oh, weird. am I allowed to be your friend again? <laughs> Is that okay? Well, will, will Spencer get mad at us? Like, Toby caresses, like, her height chart on the wall. Uh, and she mentions that, you know, like, what was said about it being, having to be painted over. And that she feels like once it's gone, like, it's just part of her will be erased. So he decides, because he's that kind of prick who wants to be helpful, just he'll just cut that part of the wall off for her. Mm-hmm. Um, well, he says he'll he'll make it look uh, as good as new or something like that, because uh, yeah. suddenly he has like construction abilities. Suddenly, apparently. Um, mm-hmm. So Toby and Emily sit down on the little window seat bench and have a little heart to heart, and they talk about how it's great to rekindle their friendship and that they're <laughs> such great friends, which they weren't really before. Uh, they were, I mean, maybe a little. Emily <laughs> connected during a few moments, but like they're talking like they're best buds here. Emily kind of gives Toby credit for helping her come out, which may be a little bit unearned. Um, she finally yeah. apologizes to Toby for not believing him. Yeah. Well, I mean, like, I don't think that Toby was ever encouraging Emily to come out before. I think he was just trying to get her pants, you know, back in the start of season one. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So let's see. Do you want to talk about therapy now or Spencer? <laughs> Uh, let's talk about therapy. All right. Let's go back to therapy. Annabeth Gish is the actress playing therapy Anne, Dr. Anne Sullivan. Mm-hmm. Uh, the first group therapy session, lots of boots. Lots of boots. All the ladies got boots on. Boots Ther- therapy Anne has boots on. Yeah. So Hannah's late. She's done some shopping on the way over. And she's done that, that, that comical rich girl shopping where she comes in with like more bags than one can really effectively <laughs> carry. Mm-hmm. Just to show the excess of shopping. Uh, and, and she's Anna's like, oh, is it time to leave already? And they're like, no, no. You're going to have to talk. Yeah, they, she was like, oh, I was hoping you'd start without me. And they're like, no, we waited for you. And she's just like, well, fuck. Um, yeah, so they talked a little bit. The girls weren't... Basically, Allison was the glue that brought them all together, kept them all together. When Allison disappeared, they kind of fell apart. And they started to hint that Allison's 
reported death or official death is what brought them, you know, back. Find, finding the body brought them back together, and and she's like, oh, "Are you looking for closure?" And they're like, uh, "No, we're looking for answers." <laughs> yeah, yeah. Which is funny because I think the therapist takes that as closure. Mm-hmm. No, Spencer like, meets. No, answers. literally, we're looking for her killer. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so somehow over the course of it, Arya kind of pauses, looks around her, her cohorts there and says, do we want to talk about that thing? I assume by this, she does not mean the Jenna thing. She means a, yeah, that's what I thought too. Um, though it kind of all goes hand in hand. Yeah. I mean, it's all wrapped up, but I don't think when she says the thing, she's specifically talking about the Jenna thing. I think she just means the whole a business. Yeah. Um, so, so there's like a little later on. There's like a little pre-group therapy two session, which is right after Arya's gotten her text from. A well, so as soon as it. as soon as Arya brings up that thing, a couple of them get texts, and they're yeah. just like, Ooh, "Never mind." So they leave, and it's apparently just like a couple of their moms are sending them texts to say, "Come right home." Yeah, yeah. The girls are so like just used to that tense muscle of getting an A text, mm-hmm. but uh. Yeah, so later on, there's like a, like a little pre-group therapy two scene where... Oh, no, you're skipping over the best part here. What's the best part? So they they walk out of the therapy session, and they're like, oh, it's just my mom. Oh, yeah, my mom texts me, too. Oh, yeah. Then they look up, and they see that in the on the newspaper stand, the headline, this picture of them, and it says, what really happened? You know, picture of all the liars underneath. And then they get the A text that says, I spy a liar, A. <laughs> Which I just love that, like... It's, you knew it was coming eventually. A was going to pop in, but now she but has. Just, great journalism. Yeah. What really happened? Great journalism. Question mark, yeah. Uh, who is that? Bed- Bedenbridge? Or, I can't remember the guy's name. There's, it's like Bedenbridge's Law or something like that. Like Any headline that ends with a question mark can be answered with no. Mm, interesting. Although that wouldn't really apply to an open-ended question like that. But No, well, I mean... The fact that they then wrote however many hundreds of words to go with that. I mean, like, mm-hmm. how do you write a story of your pre-lead, your headline, is what really happened? <laughs> how is your story not anything but just questions? Like a loose restating of the few facts that you have. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's got to be just a really uninteresting story. I mean, basically you're reading what people don't know. Yeah. So later on, I think this is after they, a, or Arya gets the A-text about Ezra's place, Emily once again proposes telling the therapist about everything and, and showing her the, the video and whatnot. And so they talk about it and Spencer's like, well, duh, you know, do we all agree? Because this is a, a therapist. Theoretically, she can't tell anyone, including their parents or the police or anything, what they tell her. It's all confidential. Mm-hmm. So I just thought it was interesting that Arya looks like super guilty in the scene. Like, she's, like, she's just really, like, looking all over the place, looking at other people, looking at the wall, looking at the ceiling, just kind of grimacing. Yeah, yeah. Oh, all right. So they go back to see Therapy Anne, and they kind of slowly and awkwardly lead up to what they're going to say to her, and they're like, well, maybe you should just watch this video first. And I don't they, like, kind of, like, pitch it to Arya to be the one who explains things? Well, for, well for, again, it's after... Prioritize. They're leading up to that. Like they've gotten the text about what's missing from Ezra's desk, mm-hmm. and Arya's the one who says, "Well, we were so close to telling her yesterday." And it's like, "Well, no, Arya, you were. Mm-hmm. You were close to telling her yesterday." It's like that wasn't really a group decision. I mean, like even Emily wasn't consulted at that point. You just shot her down every time before. 
But yeah, Arya is the one who suggested they show the video to the shrink. But before they can, just as Arya is getting ready to spill the beans, Spencer happens to look over at the a bookshelf and sees that Ezra's degree is on the wall. Mm-hmm. Obviously as a kind of a, a message from A about what type of access A has when A wants. Uh, Fitz, by the way, has an MA in English Literature from Holliseat College. In case anyone's curious. Which is the same college that he's about to go teach at. Yeah. M.A. Hmm. wonder where he did his undergrad. Hmm. Asshole you. Um, yeah, so the girls are suddenly, like, clamming up about the Well, revelation. Spencer says, this talk is premature. And they just all bounce. <laughs> well, Arya, yeah. it's like, when, when Spencer says that, they all look over. Seemingly, they all notice the degree, except for Arya. Yeah, who looks at it several times. There's a really weird shot where Therpian is like, wait, what just happened? And Arya looks at her, and I swear to God, she fucking winks. <laughs> like, she, like, did you watch that? Did you catch that? No, I missed that. That's, that's oh, juicy. Man. I, I, I think what's actually happening, you know, if, if I'm not going to have any fun with it, is to say that She's squinting her eyes, but one eye stays much more open than the other. So it, it really does look like she like looks right at Therpian and winks at her. And nice. as I was watching this the other day, I was just like, holy shit, what the fuck? How did I miss that? You know, <laughs> because it really looks like, cause I'll, I'll be honest. I do not, I like, I don't trust Therpian at all. Annabeth Gish is a creepy actress. Yeah. I don't trust her, period. She's up to something. She's not warm. She's not inviting. She's not good to these girls but yeah she's just kind of you know naturally like what the fuck is going on here Mm -hmm. and like the girls the other three girls i mean they're suspicious as fuck the other three girls do the possibly the worst job ever of distracting somebody where hannah manages to like she grabs the the degree and puts it in her giant ass crazy lady purse Yeah, well, like the shrink never looks over to see like uh, Hannah like fumbling up to get in this thing in her goddamn massive purse. They uh, get outside and Ari's like, "How is A always one step ahead of us?" Yeah, which is amusing because she's A. Well, Spencer's like, "You got to tell Ezra to change his locks." Wouldn't you love to to just see that scene? Yeah, where Arya is like casually but so not casually like, "So, have you ever thought about changing your locks?" Well, no, she she would be like, Ezra. I'm bored of you. Also, change your locks. Mm-hmm. She storms out. He's like, are you saying I need to change my locks because of you? And Hardy's just like, I don't have time for this. Yeah, you heard me. I don't have time for your questions. Mm-hmm. You love me. You'll do this. All right. So let's uh, let's get back to Spencer. And then there's like kind of some more group stuff at the end we can talk about. Yeah. Spencer manages in this episode to look hot in the weirdest blouse ever. She has the ugliest, uh, it's like a floral, red and blue floral print blouse on. This is something that she wears for like half the episode. It's hideous. God. Um, this is like a hand me down from not even Veronica Hastings' closet. Yeah, we've established that Spencer brews a mean coffee that the other liars are a little bit afraid of. Could melt your lungs, wake you up. Maybe Spencer roasts her own beans. Uh, later on, she tries to visit Toby at his place, uh, but instead, Jonathan answers the door. Basically, says you're not welcome here. Slams the door in her face. Yeah, yeah. 
She needs to go. Toby, Toby and Jenna's parents don't want Toby to see Spencer anymore. And then she gleefully informs Spencer that whatever it was you two had together, it's, it's over. Slams it to her. And she can't hide that smile. That creepy, creepy blind lady smile. Yeah. Um, so later, Officer Garrett Reynolds sits down with Spencer's parents and Melissa to uh, start talking about where Ian could be. We get some interesting details here. Ian's parents. Melissa says Ian's parents are gone. I assume she means dead. Uh, and he's an only child, so nobody nobody else out there would even have tabs on him or Mexican or anything like that. Right. Melissa's very worried because she can't get in touch with him, and she keeps saying, where is he? Spencer shows up. It's super awkward. And I love that there's there's no... Pol- like, she tries to be as polite as possible, but there's, like, no way that these two can talk to each other because yeah. they both believe something radically different about where Ian is. Yeah. So Spencer's trying to be nice, like, hi, Melissa. Oh, you're out of the hospital. And stagger glares, you know. Well, she's, and then Spencer, Spencer, but she's got a problem with that. Spencer, first of all, she needs to know that, like, her presence is not helping things. Well, what but the fuck is she, she supposed can... to do? It's her house. True, true. But at the same time, Spencer's still very much like she can't let it go that she needs to clear her own name. So she's just kind of like... I know you don't want to believe me, but I told the truth last night, which is like maybe not the right thing to say at this yeah. particular point. Well, Garrett uh, takes off, but he does give Melissa her phone back, which he found at the church. Also, the police have an APB in Ian's car, and they're tracking his credit cards. Mm-hmm. Melissa is not happy to see Spencer. She says she's going to leave town as soon as Ian gets back because she doesn't want Spencer anywhere near the baby. And Spencer says, he's not coming home, Melissa, ever. And, like, the parents are all, like, getting up in Spencer's face and defending Melissa here. But it's like, what the fuck is she supposed to say? And Spencer's like, if I'm lying, where is he? Yeah. And they're just like, you're not helping right now. And it, you do feel bad for Spencer here, because she says, you, you, you do have two daughters, because earlier, you know, uh, Veronica's had that line about how I have two daughters, one's in the hospital, the other's in trouble. Spencer says, you do have two daughters, but you're only protecting one, which is completely 100% true. They're, like, not giving any respect to Spencer's side of the story at all. Yeah. Like, if you believe her in the slightest, it means that Ian's some crazy killer. You absolutely would not want him coming back to reunite with your other daughter. Well, and again, it's like Spencer did just survive a traumatic experience the night before, but nobody in her family really could give a fuck. Mm-hmm. Um, it's an interesting scene later where she's trying on tops in her room. She tries on one, kind of like doesn't like it, unbuttons a button, unbuttons yeah. another, you know, trying to, to like, show some skin. trying to find a good look. Doesn't like it, walks over to her, uh, her, closet and i just thought it was i don't know what did you think of this it's her back is to the camera obviously but she she's nude like she's topless you can't see anything but she takes her shirt off and switches it and puts another on i just thought it was a very interesting little i wouldn't necessarily call it adult but it's kind of like a a, not even mature it's it's just not the sort of thing you'd normally see on a show like you wouldn't see someone changing it's a very adult gesture for this show it's it's uh, showing you like very private moments, um, you know. It's still it's from behind. It's not like you see anything, but it's right. no, it's still sexy. I don't think that was what was intended to be uh, 
communicate in that scene. No. I think it's it's mostly just about Spencer trying to find a good look for Toby and just being a little more, uh, I don't know, sexually mature, I guess. Yeah, I mean, there's still, on one hand, Spencer is still very much, like, at this particular point, too, like a hurt and vulnerable young woman. But she's also, you know, growing, on the other hand, into womanhood. Um and Toby is the first boy that we've seen Spencer with where that expression kind of makes sense. As we've talked about before, the, mm-hmm. the poor tennis bro, like made uh, no the sense. The less we talk well. about that guy, the better. Yeah. Um, yeah. But, so she gets a text from Emily that just says, Toby's here. Where are you? And then Melissa comes in and talks to Spencer. Spencer tries to lie and say, she's going to do, I think like math or something, study for math. And Melissa's like, then why are you picking up your Russian history book? Mm. And Spencer's just like, ah, busted. Bitch. So Melissa is, she says she's here to apologize. I'm sorry about what I said earlier about the baby. Uh, She says they picked the name for the baby. Her her and uh, Ian did before he disappeared and seemingly died. Uh, Boy or girl, they're going to call it Taylor. Spencer likes the name. Yeah. And Melissa's like, I'm willing to listen to you now. I, I know Ian wouldn't just leave me, so I need to I need to hear you what you said again because you know, I wasn't listening before. So that's that's why Spencer can't come over to hang with Emily. She kind of kind of has to talk to Melissa here, which is very interesting. And also, they don't show us that conversation. They don't. I would just say, Spencer, if your sister's ever acting a little bit too sincere, be worried. Yeah, be worried. Because she is the Moriarty, the Spencer Sherlock Holmes. Mm-hmm. Um, so later on, it's nighttime. Spencer's in the living room at uh, Casa del Hastings, and she hears a noise outside. Kind of strange. I, say, uh, I really like this there. this scene. It's, so she, it's very physical. The way she she well, runs to all the different windows and doors in the house and has to lock everything as quickly as she can because she thinks someone is trying to attack her. It's immediate, though. It's like if. If there had been more time between what happened at the church and this, I would almost say that I could write a fan fiction where Spencer's been doing drills, like waiting for this to happen. Because she yeah. immediately well, I mean, goes to this door, make sure the locks are done. She was almost murdered the night before. So you yeah, can I mean, you sense yeah. her panic. Oh, yeah. I mean, there's a there's a strong sense of like like almost like PTSD kicking in here. Mm-hmm. But it's like she gets the two doors on the one side of the living room. And then it's like she looks over at that back door by the kitchen. And she's almost like in her face is just like drats. Forgot about that one. She sees a shadow, and the person starts to head for that so, door. Well, she she ducks down behind the, the little kitchen island in the center of the kitchen, then thinks better and grabs a knife. Kitchen knife. Like a horror movie, like Last Girl, massive kitchen knife. And she's kind of ducked down behind the, the kitchen island, holding the knife, ready to spring an attack. But it turns out it's just fucking Toby. Fucking Toby. So later on, Toby leaves. Spencer, I think she she hears like a a little like ringtone alert and finds Melissa's phone is on the couch, like you know behind the couch cushions, and appears to have gotten a text from Ian. The text just says something like "It's not safe. I can't tell you." And it's like what? Yeah, Spencer's like, oh shit. Um, so she she sends out and she calls the banner, sends out an SOS before we get to that last conversation. It's a bit uh, fast, yeah. It's a little bit more I wanted to address. I'm trying to remember where this happens. Oh, yeah. So after that last therapy session they had where they all like freaked out and bounced, 
because A is always one step ahead of them. The therapist apparently calls all their parents and says, hey, this isn't working. We need to have like separate therapy sessions for each of the girls because they, they won't talk when they're together. And also, I think you need to like split up all the girls from each other and like, like they, they need to not see each other for a while. Um, the first person who gets this news is Aria, who, when that scene starts, she's laying in her bed, just furiously writing away in her journal, just furiously throwing like a storm of thoughts. Her feelings journal. Yeah. Yeah. And then her parents come in and suggest that, that they don't, that they don't need to meet as a group, that, that they should separate. And they, say the that, girls, they say that the girls are disconnected from the outside world and that this can happen when you're grieving, but it's not healthy. Yeah. Then the other girls don't even really get the sense of, you don't, you don't get a scene of the parents confronting them. You just see them in the almost, almost like, like, uh, still not quite catatonic state as they just like stare forward and process mm-hmm. the information. As, as some song in the soundtrack singing, who do you think you are over and over again? A lot of musical montages mm-hmm. in this episode. Um, well, then later on, Therapy Ann's leaving her office, and she's walking to her car, and it seems like somebody may be following her. I really like the way they did this shot. The way, like, Therapy Ann is walking, and kind of the light from the street lights is giving her a long shadow in front of her, mm-hmm. and there's footsteps behind her, and another shadow starts to approach. But there's all these other very long, angular shadows in that area as well, from other lights and lampposts and whatnot. Yeah. And so the the other person's shadow just kind of like blends in and suddenly it's not there anymore. She turns around. There's nobody there. Like, I really like the way they accomplish that visually. Well, and then she gets in her car and she drives away and they do this very interesting shot where, uh, around like, like down, like an, almost like an alley, there's another car parked, but like there's somebody clearly like ducked behind this car, but you just barely see them. I really like that. Like presumably a, yeah. yeah, presumably it's A, but I love that if you're just kind of casually watching the show, you might even miss there's a person there. Um, I just thought it was a very interesting shot. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, so then the girls, they've all gotten Spencer's SOS text about uh, the thing with Ian, you know, possibly texting Melissa. So they go and meet in that creepy-ass greenhouse in the middle of the night. Now, is this greenhouse, is this like on Spencer's property? I don't know. I don't this know where the, this thing this is. This is the greenhouse that they met in. Um, is it right around the time that Hannah was in a car accident? Maybe. Yeah, yeah, I don't know where exactly this greenhouse exists. It's somewhere not too far away. Presumably, yeah. Presumably. Um, they meet in the greenhouse that, that they can walk to. Mm-hmm. Um, Hannah says there's only one way to know for sure if it's seen or not, and that's the center reply. So I love that this is a blocked phone. So I, I would think that you can't text this phone back would be my, my understanding of yeah, technology. Yeah, who knows? But, but nothing will stop Spencer. So she texts back, how do I know this is you? And the nice, immediate Nicely response, ambiguous, yeah. Yeah, the immediate, immediate response is, ask me anything. And so they try to ponder what is something that only Ian would know. And so Spencer comes up with the baby's name. And who was it that asks? One of the girls asked what the baby's name is before Spencer texts that question. I could be wrong, but I think it's Arya. Yeah, it's very interesting. I just uh, want to point out that Spencer says, it's Taylor. And only after she says that, then they get the response that says, it's Taylor. So if A were, if it were A controlling the phone and like say hidden outside, 
A would have heard that. If yeah. Arya is texting from her pocket, she would have known it, you know. Or any of the other, you know, liars. Mm-hmm. It's always possible. Um, so there's a bunch of weird, loud noises there in the greenhouse. Like somebody's outside or attacking them, and the girls gasp. And, <gasps> and then we cut to our A-tag. Yeah. Well, the, the point of all that is that seemingly Ian's alive. Yeah, and and Melissa's in communication, and and all that business of Melissa trying to be nice and and listen for the first time, that was possibly just her trying to find out exactly what Spencer knows. Right. Right. And then yeah, we finally get the A tag here, which is uh, presumably the next day. There's a that realtor showing a person through Emily's house, and it's A, of course, and A is uh, deleting all the files off of Emily's hard drive. Mm-hmm. Um, I just love too that seemingly A is wearing A's getup, <laughs> like there's black gloves, presumably like a hoodie. Mister Mendez has no problem showing this person around the house. All he cares about is his six percent. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. But yeah, A even picks up at one point the picture of the four liars of Allison and kind of looks at it closely. <sighs> and that's it. Uh, it's alive. Yin is apparently alive. So I think you'd, but also, you'd presume think, that he wasn't actually dead and as soon as the liars left, he ran away. I think that's how you'd read that. I think there's that. I think you could also claim that there's possibly something about the baby. Um, what? Just that it's alive. I don't okay. Know. Well, I mean, it's like presumably a demon the spawn baby, baby. The yeah, the demon spawn baby that that Spencer's not allowed to be near. Like, uh, it's kind of the real glue holding Melissa to Ian. You know, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Melissa's a pragmatist. I mean, I imagine she could probably cut Ian loose if it weren't for the fact that he's the father of her child. Whatever Ian's up to, if he's alive or not. Hmm. All right, well, uh, we'll go ahead and end this uh, episode here. Mm-hmm. Next episode is S2E2, the goodbye look. Mm, what could that mean? And we will talk about that next time. Mm-hmm. Bye-bye. Bye.